I so rarely listen to our intro song that I forgot that it's a Zelda song. It's it's the song of time. That's the song of time. Our intro is boom 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 boom. Respawn aim fire. Welcome everyone to respawn aim fire, the kick-ass irrelevant gaming podcast. This is a special barf episode. What does that mean? We don't throw up on here. That's not part of Twitch's uh, code of conduct that we can do on the stream. Um, we talk about backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends. Which means you all tell us what game you want us to play once a month, and we all play it and talk about it at the end of the month. And we've done that. And who are we? Hi, yo soy Chad Michael Ennis. I'm bilingual and bisexual. Adam McDonald's Gumbert. How are you? I love a Grimace toy with 17 eyes on it. I'm going oh. there tonight to get an adult Happy Meal of Grimace. Nice. What if an adult Happy Meal came with just like a fifth of vodka? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. It'd be wonderful. Alex... Poop. <laughs> Jesus, insulting me right out of the gate. Alex, I don't know what I welcome. did to you. I'm definitely not going to go and drink vodka at a McDonald's tonight. I do want to know, though, Chad, are both those things true about you? What? Bilingual and bisexual? Yeah. Um, we can't speak Spanish. I don't know if you could call me bilingual, but I am almost, I, at one point in my life, was almost fluent in German. Um, German? Yeah, I just Whoa. never, I never had... Oh. Uh, we went to Switzerland and Germany, among many other places, uh, right after college, and I got really, really, really drunk one night, and apparently the whole way home, I was only speaking to my friends in German, and they told me that, that I was being so... I don't know. I was also drunk. Who knows if it was real? Um, it could have been made up gibberish German. But, uh, yes, bisexual is true. That is true. Venomoth oh, Stadia, what's up? Uh, we are here to talk about one of America's treasures from Japan. Mm. Uh, America's treasure that we stole from a museum in Japan and put into our museums, The Adventure of Link, Zelda 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, as I mentioned, you all voted over on patreon.com slash respawnaimfire for us to play this game in particular out of a host of other games, including three. Uh, but we chose, or you chose this one, so that's what we played. And... We're going to give a little bit of background, and by we, I mean it's going to be a joint effort this time, because I did not do my homework. But I will start by telling you, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, was a game released on the NES. Actually, first the Famicom Disk System, January 14th, 1987, and then later coming to the NES uh, in the West on September 26, 1988, in the European regions and North America on December 1st. So this game is old, uh, and it is... Generally, here's the wild thing. Generally, when it came out, was reviewed very well. May I mean, surprise you. I, Number six may surprise I, you. <laughs> I, I will. I will bite my tongue for the time being. But I have. I have thoughts on that when we get to our thoughts on the game. Perfect. Perfect. As we all, as a nation, as a world, grew up, and the game got re-released on Game Boy Advance, we realized it's not good, and it then got the lowest score of any Zelda game on Metacritic as well. Um, so that's another interesting fun fact. But I did not look up much information about this game past that. And I know Adam was browsing the Wikipedia. And I know Alex says he has a little bit of info. So I'm going to turn it over. Adam, what do you got that's interesting about this game? I got just some base top-level stuff. Uh, again, you've already gone over release dates. and all. It's wild to think all these Zelda games came out before we were even born. Right. Like, I think of... Because I had an NES as a kid, so I just think of Zelda was out when I was a kid. But yeah. no, it was out fucking years before I was born. Uh, anyways, again, it's the... Side-scrolling, 
role-playing game, which is different from the first game in the series. Um, a lot of role-playing elements or a lot of RPG elements in it. Um, it is technically, it was until Breath of the Wild, the only sequel in the series that is directly a sequel of another game. Um, until Breath of the Wild uh, continued that, and well, then at the end well, of the game, did Breath of the Wild well, continue that because it's, Tears of the Kingdom sounds like it's going to be a brand new game in a completely different world. It was Breath of the Wild two. Now it's something totally different. Mm-hmm. And you also got like <laughs> Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask, but I mean, I don't know. I I, I sort of see where you're coming from. I think they're they're saying because that stupid fucking book came out, the official Zelda timeline, and they're like oh, they're yeah, all alternate right. realities, and they're not actually sequels and. So yeah, this one was the only one that was confirmed to be a sequel of another game until Breath of the Wild, which well, was in the continuity of uh, another thing. Um, and then you have uh, Dark Link was introduced in this game, which is everyone's favorite alternate Link in Super Smash Brothers. Which is wild, because I played most of this game and never saw Dark Link, so he must be at the end. <laughs> He's maybe at the very, very end. I don't know. <laughs> he is definitely at the end. Um, and then it's you, uh, some interesting stuff. You have the level up system where, again, you gain XP, you level up, even if you die, your character still has XP. Um, yeah, so you're basically leveling up these stats. And then you have like a new game plus where your stats are maxed out again. Uh, but yeah, you do side scrolling and RPG stuff. Yeah. Uh, Alex, you can take it away. Go for it, Alex. Uh, the, the plot is apparently Link was only 16 years old in this game. And then Zelda. Is the girl at the beginning, but it's not the same Zelda from the first game. It's just a girl named Zelda, yeah. and everyone named Zelda after her because what? The, all, right, all right, whatever. I'm sorry. Okay, what? so Continue. this is something. <laughs> this is something that has always really kind of bugged me. The plot of the game is that basically Link defeats Ganon and saves Hyrule and saves Princess Zelda, but then Impa, Zelda's handmaiden, informs Link that actually there's this other Zelda that has been sleeping for ages and ages and generations. Uh, in the original like manual for Zelda 2, they basically explain how this Zelda was put under a curse that resulted in her falling asleep, Sleeping Beauty style, and because of her you know, untimely demise, all subsequent Zeldas were named after her. Obviously, that part has been kind of like retconned over time to be no they were just called zeldas for other unrelated reasons um but that's basically what's going on the thing about zelda 2 story that always bugged me is what's going on with the other zelda that link saved in zelda 1 is she like hanging around the area of hyrule that link saved trying to kind of rebuild the kingdom and thus link is just not having any interactions with her because she's just in a completely separate part of the world. The game doesn't really provide an adequate answer to that. And I know I'm, I know it sounds like I'm just joking around and nitpicking, but I am genuinely kind of bugged and confused by that to this day. No, it's it, weird. Why in the yeah. hell is this? It's called legend of Zelda two, but it's not the same girl, but she's the exact same name completely unrelated. What? Yeah. And they are pitching this the same as like, Zelda. this is an exact direct sequel. It's not like this is a spiritual successor. It's like, no, this picks up right where you saved the other Zelda, but we don't give a fuck about her anymore. And also, here's another Zelda. That'd be like if I'm, God of War Ragnarok's like, well, this is um, Kratos' other son, also named Atreus, also looks the same, also the same power, but he's a different kid. What? No, that doesn't make to, any sense. To give Nintendo a little bit of credit, I do like the idea of them trying to kind of flesh out the lore and mythology of the world of Zelda, of building up this idea that Zelda comes from this long lineage of other famous princesses. But I think... I think we can all agree that it would have been way simpler and more effective if the premise of the game was after the events of Zelda 1, a wizard puts a spell on the original Zelda you saved in that game, and now you have to wake her up. Just keep it at that. 
What if, here's what I'm going to propose from here on out. The word, to them, the word princess just means Zelda. Like, <laughs> like every princess is yeah. called a Zelda. <laughs> like, hi, I'm the hmm. king and this is my Zelda. And she's the princess Zelda. Her name is Karen, but she's my Zelda. Like, that's, that's hmm. where I'm going to take this from now on. So it's sort of like it's sort of like Mario Mario, where exactly, his first yeah. and his last name is Mario. <laughs> this is Karen Zelda. This is Diane Zelda. This is Bobby Zelda. Um, yeah, interesting. Let's talk a little bit about our experience with the game. So I've already foreshadowed that I did not beat this game, but I did get close. I last Barf episode, I made the promise slash slash uh, I don't know what to call it. I'm not going to follow through on it. Uh, yes. I said I would finish half the barf games from here to the end of the year. I think I, I said. I said I, I said that I wanted you to complete up until at least the fourth dungeon of the game. That's right. And I will say, playing through the game myself, I was like, oh man, I feel like after the second dungeon, it's game over for Chad. And so the fact that you got way further than even the fourth dungeon is honestly very commendable to me, Chad. I, I want to let you know that I really do appreciate you making a real honest effort with this game even though you didn't complete it i did yeah i got to the end of the sixth i beat the sixth dungeon um and then i texted cozy i was like is it even worth going to the end of this thing and you're like well if you follow a guide and you do this yeah you should try and i was like now nah, nah, pass um but yeah i, I did play it on Fair. the nintendo switch online service on my Switch, all handheld, which uh, we'll get into a little bit later, like some technical glitches that I don't know whether they were part of the real game or just part of a bad emulation on Nintendo Switch Online, but like that's how I played it, and that's my experience with it, just as a, just as context and a precursor. Alex, tell me about your experience with it. Yeah, so TLDR, I actually played the sort of maligned uh, GBA port of this game. I, uh, I say maligned, but if you actually go on Metacritic, it got a score of 73, which is like not bad at all. There are major AAA games that come out nowadays that feature all sorts of bells and whistles that this game didn't have and score even lower than that. So I'd say that's very respectable for the lowest rated Zelda game on the site. Um, it was one of those road trip games where I got it at like a used game store while I was driving all around Canada and or America with my parents. And it was back in the day where I was playing my Game Boy Advance a lot. And so I played this game quite a bit in the back of my parents' car. And, you know, I was in it... When I bought this game, I was like, you know, I am going to commit to this and I'm going to try and kind of find the fun in this game and really enjoy it. But also, I do think that me being locked into the back of a car... It sounds kind of bad, but <laughs> y you know what I mean. <laughs> me being locked in this one location for an extended period of time was definitely something that I appreciated in retrospect, because I don't necessarily know how much I would have kind of gotten into this game and struggled through its early frustrations if I had not been in that particular scenario. Uh, however, I actually never beat it on the original GBA. I only beat it a few years ago. Um, if you remember, Zelda 2 was one of the games that was offered to 3DS ambassadors who bought the 3DS first before it received right. its massive price cut. And that version of the game had uh basically a like save state system a la what nintendo the nintendo switch online service offers and so i was able to use that to muscle through some of the like final parts of the game that i had trouble with on the gba um and this time around was my second ever time beating it and yeah that's sort of my experience with it adam what about you uh so i 
played this on a totally legitimate way. You know, I had the cartridge, but it was in the attic. So then I was like, all right, cool. I can just emulate it. That's no problem. Right. So I did play this emulated on a PC. Um, I played the virtual console version, which I believe will be okay. virtual console version, uh, which did not have a rewind feature. And let me tell you. Oh, Adam. Wasn't fun. Yeah, you didn't uh, get very far, did that, you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I got I got a decent amount far, but uh, not as far as, as I would have. But yeah, not having that feature and then... It made things a lot tougher. And I was like, you know what? I'm also not enjoying this. So it was nice whenever I died and lost all my lives. It's like, well, technically, I'm still the same level. Like, cool. But I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> so I played a little bit more after that. But yeah, not having that rewind uh, definitely hurt me. But yeah, I played PC. Everything worked great. The My totally legit, legitimate copy in the attic worked perfectly fine. And it was all good. Well, let's... let's uh, I, normally, we talk about these discussions and like, different ways we're like hey let's talk about the gameplay let's talk about your favorite weapons or your favorite dungeons or bosses but all the dungeons are exactly the fucking same and all the bosses are just like marginally different so <laughs> i would love to just jump in and just generally say tell me about your experience Hold with it good bad i ugly i know that i've talked quite a bit so far in this podcast can i just get right up front and make my case in yes. favor of this game yes please okay so here's the thing, while playing through this game for, you know, my second time ever, uh, like second time ever beating it from start to stem, um, it, it occurred to me that, you know, I've actually only ever beaten the weird sequel games that Nintendo put out for Mario, Zelda, and Metroid during those franchises' early days. I only beat Metroid 2 and not the original Metroid. I only beat Mario Bros. 2 and not the original Mario. And I only beat Zelda 2 and never the original Zelda. And you know what? While none of the three games that I just listed are perfect experiences, I do think that this is the most successful of all of them. I think it's, for the time in which it was released, one of the more ambitious games that Nintendo had ever made, when you consider just the sheer amount of things going on in it, there being this like dual, like top-down kind of overworld system in which you can kind of explore and a kind of like uh, 2D sort of side-scrolling action segment that you can be transported into at the drop of a hat. You have towns that you can explore, dungeons, and like admittedly not super in-depth, but nevertheless an RPG system that you can use to kind of level up your abilities. And I feel like the way in which the game weaves together all these disparate elements is oftentimes very well integrated in terms of everything kind of feeling interconnected with each other. You compare it to something like Super Mario Bros. 3, for example, where you have like that kind of like top-down overworld section and you kind of like go to a square and you select the square and you go into the level and the level that you're playing usually feels a little bit disconnected from the overworld that you selected it from. This game does a really good job of making it so that every single kind of 2D segment feels very much connected to the kind of like overall geography and layout of the world that you were previously exploring from a top-down perspective. And I think really enhances just the sort of the, like the overall cohesiveness and a kind of atmosphere and, and kind of like richness of the world. Uh, and I, you know, jumping off of that, I just have to appreciate kind of how vast the world as a whole is, uh, especially by the time that you get to the second island. I really do feel like the game like does a great job of making you feel like you're on an epic journey. And it is annoying that you have to backtrack all the way to the North Palace when you die. Um, but the game, you know, the more and more items that you obtain, the more and more familiar that you become with the, its world, the less and less 
uh, annoying that backtracking becomes as you kind of become more familiarized with the whole kind of system. And by the end of the game, I found myself, you, you know, while never utterly in control of the enemies that I was facing off against, uh, very much uh, like in a much more kind of advantageous position over them, very much kind of like uh, welled up with a kind of sense of mastery that I can't claim that I had at the beginning. And while its combat system, I think definitely suffers from not having enough variety to it, lacking a lot of the, you know, pretty extraneous items that the Zelda game prior to it and the Zelda games following it have. I do think that the uh, sword fighting in the game is very fine. I think that the up thrust and the down thrust are great moves. And I think it's not a mistake that the Smash Bros series heavily borrowed from Link's moveset in this game. I, uh... All right, you guys can... <clears throat> <laughs> go on a tear now and tell me why I'm wrong. No, I will actually, I will agree with you on a, on a lot of things. Like I was playing through this game. I was surprised at how many things were, I was constantly surprised by how early these things seem to be in Zelda versus the rest of the game. Like for instance, the overworld random encounters. Like I did not expect to see in this NES game having like actual monsters in the overworld moving in randomized patterns that you could run into similar to like what we see nowadays with Pokemon in the overworld or with something like Chrono Trigger or something like that that you could if you're good enough actively avoid or if you do rewind enough you could actively avoid like that was surprising to me um seeing the <laughs> the level up system in this Zelda game was like I was really surprised like I did not imagine this in in a Zelda game and that uh, I was really surprised by a lot of that stuff um, I'm trying to think of more good things to say about it. <laughs> yeah, the, so there was a lot of variety with um, that I was not expecting as well with the spells and the sword play. I was getting into it just seeing like the random or the very limited moveset that you had with swiping your sword while standing versus crouching. And then like if your full heart's shooting the projectile, I was like, is that all there's going to be to this game? Is that all I'm going to do? But then, yeah, getting the the thrust down, the the fire, the all of these different things to make things strategically a little bit more difficult was was really cool and robust. I don't know how that compares to Zelda One because I never played that past the first like two screens of that game. But here are some things I didn't like about it, though. Like this experience, th what Wait, I don't hold like on, about. Hold on. Yeah. hold on. Before we get into our criticisms of this game, Adam, is there anything about this game that you liked? <laughs> 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 no i do like the ambition yeah i do like that idea of the of them like hey let's do a different style of a thing let's make it more deep rpg let's do all this i don't think that they succeeded in making it i don't even know that they necessarily did succeed in making it good but i do like that the ambition of doing that my criticisms are part of i guess the way it was executed or maybe just the way that it feels in 2022 when this was made in 1987. Right, exactly. Maybe that's my biggest issue with it. But I do like the idea. The ambition's great. I like that, like, hey, let's do something different. Let's do something weird. Let's just not copy and paste, do the same thing. That's cool. I like that idea. Are you ready? Are you ready for some negative things, Alex? <sighs> ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> here, here are some of my criticisms. And to Adam's point, some of them are because I'm playing it, you know, 100,000 years later than it was intended to be played. Some of it is because um, gaming as a medium has evolved and we've learned how to do things differently. Uh, some of it is just like bad. <laughs> and I think the, the biggest thing that was frustrating to me is how unfair some of the things felt. 
I felt like some of the combat, especially, and this is this is actually around game design back in the NES, whenever like games were intentionally meant to take a very long time and they would add a ton of fluff or padding or like make you go and re-explore the same areas over and over or make you die and have to redo things over and over in order to get the value out of the game and you play it for a long time. And I felt like a lot of the combat, uh, especially in areas where you had to fight a ton of like blue knights who were just constantly throwing knives at you and things like that, like those felt like there was no way you could become skilled enough to avoid getting hit. Yeah. Especially when there was no way to heal, unless you found that life spell, uh, which was you know pretty late in the game, where you could start restoring your hit points. Um, yeah, it, it's tough because like I feel like a good half of the enemies in this game are like I don't want to say easy to predict, but they are predictable. If you study their movements for long enough, you can figure out how they're going to move and when they're going to attack, and you can with a little bit of skill successfully counter them, but. I feel like the other half of the enemies in this game are your blue knights. They're enemies that are just really difficult to predict. And like, there's no way to kind of get past them, as you said, Chad, without taking a little bit of damage yourself. And I think that that's one of the kind of biggest knocks against this game's uh, combat system, unfortunately. Yeah. And in that, in that same vein of, of a little bit of unfair, um, there's so much of this game that relies upon you just literally walking over every single space on the map with no indication of where to go. Occasionally, you might find a townsperson that's like, walk directly east from this rock. And you're like, okay, cool. I don't know what's there, but I'll, even, I'll do that's it. That's a surprisingly articulate townsperson. Most of the time, it's like east from rock. rock. I am error. <laughs> uh, yeah, the I am error guy. I was like, all right. I don't know yeah, what's I was like, is this a is this a you know port issue? Is this a translation thing? Um, it's it, it's a pun because error's friend is bagu, which is a Japanese way of saying bug. It's like bagu bug. Oh, and, and then so he's the one that tells you to go bug. talk to error and tell him. Yeah. That. Okay. Um, so yeah, so just walking, like the no visual indication that like you should do something here or signposting. I think the, the major one is when you have to go through a cave and uncover like the hidden town, like the, the, the town got overrun and is completely dead. And yes. there's one person's like, oh yeah, everyone fled to the forest in the East. And again, that's like 45 more words than they used. And so you go East to the forest and you walk around and there's nothing. And you're like, okay, so now I'm going to walk back around everywhere. I'm going to search it. And then you go look up a guide and he's like, oh, no, you have to push the hammer button on a specific patch of forest. Like, that's intuitive. I would, uh, <laughs> that, Didn't you realize that you could use your hammer to cut down trees? <laughs> no, I had no <laughs> idea before that point. It's so stupid. But the, that's the kind of like zero signposting obtuse nature that on, honestly that's what turned me off from legend of zelda and link to the past too that like these games are impossible to play without a hundred hours of your life devoted to them doing like really frustrating menial things or going through with a guide and so that's to where back i back felt- off that not to cut you off but yeah. my one of my issues was at the very beginning you're like all right she's asleep and then you walk outside and you're like okay what do I do now like finding mm-hmm. out the first thing to do i don't know how kid maybe if you had the instruction manual would have helped but, like, I went to that first town, and I walked through. I'm like, all right, talking to people. It's weird that lady's like, come in my house, and I'll heal you up. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, but you just, like, I walked through the whole town and, like, was talking to people randomly as they walked by. And then 
left and I had no idea what to do, but it's like, you just talk to the girl with the purple hat and then go inside her house and then go in the basement and talk to her dad. Like how the, f- and, and if you don't it, do that, you literally can't advance yeah. at all. What, what so you just walk more, in circles. What makes it more confusing is the fact that those townspeople that like are looking for some sort of prized item that will offer a, a magic spell or some other item in exchange it typically takes them a second or two to exit the houses that they're inside of. And so it's mm-hmm. entirely possible if you're walking fast enough that you might not even realize, oh, I pass a house that contains an important NPC, yeah. which only makes it even more confusing. Or there are those situations where like, you have to go inside a house and randomly hit a button at the fireplace or at a blank spot in the brick wall, or at the, under a table where you've never had to do that before. Like, those are so freaking dumb. Uh, but my favorite one, and by favorite, I mean, like, I hated this a lot, and I didn't enjoy it, and I, and I, and I hate that the game made me do this in, in, in so many different ways. Um, but there were, yeah, it, it, those kind of things, I don't want to, like, go through every single thing, but those kind of things were just, like, incredibly frustrating to me. You had to fucking smush the house, smush a particular set of things with a with a hammer, trees with a hammer. My son of a bitch. Um, There's the one where you have to go to the water fountain and press A on this like oh, static yeah. water fountain that doesn't even look like water. It looks like a weird like bush or whatever. Yep. And then, it, I mean, it's it's weird because like all the other towns up until that point are like you have to go way out into the overworld and get this item and then return to town. That one you literally have to like walk two feet, get the water, and then walk back to the woman. And yeah. so it's like on one hand it's the easiest, but it's also like the least obvious at the same time. Yeah. Okay, there are two two other things uh, that feel unfair about progression. One is I have. Uh, the whatever dungeon it is maybe it's the fifth one where you get the flute in it it is completely yeah. missable like there are, you can complete this dungeon because i yeah. got to the final boss and i was like i well, haven't picked up an item or anything like that and it's completely missable even though it's something that you need for the rest of like in order to proceed with the sixth dungeon and, and get through this game and i feel like in a right. normal zelda game a key item like that i feel like is something that shouldn't be missable like you have to in order to get this thing in order to complete the dungeon so that was frustrating so, to me. To be fair, like uh, when you've both found the key item within a dungeon and defeated its boss, the dungeon will turn into rubble on the overworld and you won't be able to access it again. And so if the dungeon is still there, that means that there is still something for you to do inside of it. Uh, that being said, it, it is disappointing that, you know, the original Legend of Zelda has a va- very basic rudimentary map that you can use to kind of triangulate your location within each of its dungeons. And this game doesn't have anything of that nature. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal early on when the dungeons are pretty small and straightforward, but definitely st- starts to become a bit of a nuisance when you're like pretty late into the game, like when you're at the fifth dungeon in your case. Yeah. Uh, the last one that just frustrated me, and this is the last time I'll talk about it being unfair and like impossible things to find. When you get trying to get into the sixth dungeon, and uh, you go to town, and the you walk up to a woman, she's like, "Have you found seven magic pots yet?" I'm like, "What? Seven magic pots? What are you talking about?" And then uh, I look, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I have found like one or two of these little vases that increase my magic." 
I wonder if that's what she's talking about. And then I go to a guide and read, in order for her to give you this thing that unlocks a spell later, further down the line in town, you have to collect three magic pots. So why is she asking for seven if you really need three? And then you go find... So And these so far have kind of not been mentioned that you like need to find these things at all, but this is like... You cannot progress further in this game unless you've gone and found all these random pots that, again, are not marked anywhere in the world. Uh, and then you get them, and you go get a spell called Spell. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't tell you what the hell Spell does or where to go to use Spell, and you have to go to this random blank wall, and then suddenly a giant doorway opens up out of nowhere. Anyway, so yeah, I felt like the game was unfair. There was no signposting, and it was like really frustrating to figure out what to do next. Um... But my, my last criticism of it, and this is mostly me just being spoiled from more modern Zelda games, is that part of what, when a new Zelda game comes out, part of what I look forward to most is like, oh, how are these dungeons? And this is part of, you know, why I was disappointed with Breath of the Wild. I was like, how are these dungeons? Because that's the best part, I feel like, of Zelda games. And these dungeons were all, it, they were literally just different color versions of each other. They all had the same puzzle. I cannot tell you how many times I ran into that same puzzle where it's just a long room of blocks and there's a key under in a space in one of the blocks and there's a bunch of those flying fucking dragon heads. And you gotta go, get the key, and then avoid the dragon heads. Like, they reused the same shit in different configurations. And I was like, no. I'm not about these dungeons. And so, I was really disappointed by that and like the repetitiveness of... The, you mentioned that there are, like, the environments that the random encounters happen in are very unique and specific, but, like, to to where you're standing so much so that, like, I've, I, I'm i not walking over graveyards because I don't want to have to deal with the ghost version of this. Um, yeah. But then you run into them so often, that it, and it's the same enemy types, and it's the same strategy to get through it. You're just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing this. Um, so, yeah. Long story short, there were a lot of things I felt was unfair, which meant I was using the rewind feature a like literally every three or four seconds because I wasn't about to get hit, die, have to go back somewhere, backtrack. So I was just, if I ever got hit, rewind three seconds, try to avoid that hit. And it was, it was a frustrating experience for me. Adam, why did you give up? Wasn't having fun. Nice. I couldn't reverse. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I said I got through the, the first temple or okay. fucking whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just Palace. went to the second one. I was like, I'm not having again. It was. It felt old. Things. I think I was. I had to have a guide up next to me because I wouldn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I can't. Because like you know, I go fight the dudes who threw the axes, and it was just like, well, that'd be nice if I could throw the sword at him, but I literally can't get close to him without him hitting me because he just throws them a hundred miles an hour. I mean, it's fine. I was just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to play. <laughs> I was fucking Elden Ring at. <laughs> play Elden Ring. <laughs> I, I will here. say. If you even if you had defeated that second temple, you probably would have for sure quit afterwards because to get to the third temple, you have to make your way through Death Mountain. Death Mountain, a location within the Zelda series, is often like this scary locale that you only travel to relatively late in the game. Uh, but in this game, it takes place after the second dungeon, and it is Chad. This is the to give context. This is the location that has all the like. Uh, different like tunnel entrances and exits and you have yeah. to like figure out how to kind of puzzle your way through it oh i got that it part that, is like, hardcore <laughs> that is an, an in 
it's an intense difficulty spike for that early in the game. That being said, uh, a little kind of factoid about that area that I like a lot is that if you actually get to the bottom of it, uh, I just shared a link right now in our little Discord chat, uh, you actually um, get, get access to a little area um, that basically is sort of meant to mimic the like geography of the map from the original Legend of Zelda, because oh. the whole idea is that the the, the two kind of areas that you're uh, playing through in Zelda Two are like to the north of the Hyrule that you explored in Zelda One. Th that's a little bit of uh, subtle storytelling that I actually like about this game. That like you know you're playing through the original Zelda One. You're told in the instruction manual that this is the kingdom of Hyrule. That this was a you know vibrant kingdom that a lot of people lived lived inside of, or you know were at some point. And yet you kind of explore that game and the only people you find are like weird hermits living in caves. And I like the implication that basically during the events of Zelda 1, everybody from Hyrule kind of retreated and escaped and established the towns that you visit in Zelda 2 uh, in that kind of northern region. So I, I thought that was uh, a cool little Easter egg that I only learned about relatively recently, actually. You know what else? Speaking of Death Mountain... You know what I learned while I was looking at a uh, walkthrough? I did the first two dungeons without a walkthrough before I, before I looked up anything. Really? And then I found out when I looked at the walkthrough that I had done dungeon one and dungeon three. And that I hadn't done dungeon oh. two yet. And I didn't realize that, oh. like, oh, there, you, there's a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure to this. Um, what did you do, Chad? Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look up the walkthrough right now again just to see, because I can't remember which one's the second and which one's the third. Um, the the first one is the one in the desert that's sort of like northeast of where you start out, and then the third one is the one on the island that is east of the mass graveyard. Yeah, I did the island one before I did the Medoro Palace. Hmm. And this Which is because. We talked about this briefly at the start. This is because of bugs and glitches that you encountered? No, it was just like, that's naturally what I stumbled across first, which huh. is like, I I didn't know if that's something that they intended or whether that was like, this is kind of open world-ish where you can kind of choose which dungeon you do in what order. Because the rest, definitely the last half of the game is like, you are restricted based on the items and spells that you have and what order you go through these things, but... No, the really the only glitch that I had were like performance-based issues where anytime there were four or more characters on screen at once or four or more enemies on screen at once, everything started flickering. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know if that's like the original game or whether that's just like bad emulation. I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember that from the GBA version. I think that's just the, the original game struggling with a lot of enemies on screen, which I don't really like. I don't really hold that against the game. I think that's just the limitations of the NES showing pretty much. Well, uh, that's all I've got to say about Zelda 2. I'm glad I played it because it's something I've always wondered about. And, you know, after recently playing Tunic, um, who they say uh, we're inspired a ton by Zelda 2. Now I'm like, why? Um, but <laughs> so I'm the glad the instruction I, uh, manual played it. specifically. Is yeah, it's, it's very much yeah. the instruction manual. Any last thoughts you have before we wrap up? Adam? Uh, yeah, it's a video game. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I mean, it was cool to play it, and because I knew it was different, it was kind of like the the black sheep of the Zelda family. 
so that was cool to to experience that for a couple hours and uh now i know why it is the black sheep of the family <laughs> again i like the ideas in it it's just i don't like the execution and it's also it doesn't help that it's literally a 35 year old game yeah that's it i don't think it's all i really don't think it's awful i think it's uh whatever oh i actually do have i asked people if they had their thoughts on the video game so i had my friend Ooh. eric g hollis write in and tell me tell uh, me, tell he me. said Eric G. Hollis uh, on Twitter. He said, played it when it first came out. It was hard as hell, but I got through it. Not a terrible game at all, but it gets a bad rap for changing the preferred format of the series. I believe the only side-scrolling Zelda games since this were the abysmal Philips CDI titles, which, yes, he's very correct. I, I, I look, It's in this Wikipedia about like those CDI games that aren't canon that were similar and everyone hated. But uh, he's, It is yeah, he's weird. A, it is weird that those games specifically copied the design of this game. Like, and not like, you know, the other Zelda games, at least I know that the third, I know that the third Zelda CDI game, that the one that doesn't get discussed as much as the other two, because it kind of had a different art style. That one was more akin to like a link to the past, but I don't know why the other two ones were like, yeah, Zelda two is the one to, as we mentioned at the beginning, like for some reason, people loved this game when it came out, like it reviewed really well. So before we wrap up, I got two more quick things I want to praise. All right. One thing I want to criticize and one Miyamoto quote. Okay. So one thing that we haven't talked at all throughout this review uh, is the soundtrack of this game. I don't know that I would go out on a limb and say that this is like one of the best like NES era soundtracks, but I quite like the soundtrack of this game. I think it's very fun. I think that it kind of captures the kind of high fantasy adventuresome kind of spirit of the game. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, a little disappointing that the game doesn't really kind of reuse or remix any of the kind of classic Zelda themes that we had in the uh, original Legend of Zelda, but I think that what new songs it introduces here are pretty good. I especially like the the theme of the very final uh, dungeon in the game, which has like a unique theme to it that was I want to say remixed in for the Super Smash Bros. series for Brawl, and that remix is real good. You're just uh, you're just saying that to get me to finish the last dungeon, aren't you? Because now I'm I intrigued, mean, and I want to know what it's. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Uh, second thing, God damn it! This is another thing that's specific to the last dungeon chat. I swear, I'm not trying to force you to play it. This isn't me trying to guilt trip you, but I, I will say. There are two bosses at the end of the final dungeon of the game. Uh, the first one is a boss called Thunderbird, and he sucks because the only way that you're able to beat him is you have to use your Thunder spell at the beginning, which only makes him vulnerable. And so you basically just waste most of your magic ability at the very front, and then you have to hit his weak point X number of times before you die or he dies. Um, after that, however, is Dark Link. And Dark Link is pretty powerful. Uh, he's pretty difficult to defeat uh, if you don't rely on some cheap methods, which I may or may not have used. But I will say I do conceptually really like the idea of the final boss of the game being Dark Link. I like the idea that after, you know, traveling throughout the entire region of Hyrule and its northern regions, after battling all sorts of like crazy, fantastical monsters, the final opponent that you have to defeat is yourself a dark uh, mirror of your spirit and the kind of like only real tool that you have to uh, defeat him with and the only tool that he has at hand to defeat you with is your sword i like that the end of the game is 
no gimmicks, no bullshit, just a kind of no frills, hard as balls sword fight. Again, I think it's a little bit more challenging than it needed to be, which I realize is a criticism that can be said for much of this game. But I, I really do conceptually like that as the final boss of the game. Um, my criticism is Ooh, yeah. again say something bad <laughs> well i mean this is something that we i feel like we've already touched on a lot in this review which is that it is really disappointing that link's arsenal in this game is you know pretty much limited entirely to his sword and shield and it's even more disappointing that all of the magic spells that he learns in this game pretty much exist in service uh like they they only exist to kind of enhance the inherent abilities that link already has you start off the game and you can you know swing your sword you can take enemy hits and you can jump and most of your magic spells are like you can swing your sword and you know use projectiles at any point, or you can take even more hits by raising your defense, or you can jump even higher. There's only one spell in the game that dramatically changes up how you play the game, and it's the fairy spell. And I feel like the fairy spell is pretty... It's a cool idea, but it's pretty underutilized. I would have hoped that, you know, by the end of the game, you would have been kind of making your way through puzzle rooms that force you to go into fairy form and force you to really kind of like maneuver carefully around the room and really kind of put your fairy abilities to test. But the game never really challenges you in that way. And I think that's a big missed opportunity. And I'm, you know, every game exists as like a reaction to what came before it. And I don't think it's a mistake that a link to the past and all these subsequent Zelda games that follow it feature so many items, so many different weapons that Link can kind of collect that kind of drastically change up the way that he fights enemies and kind of interacts with the world around him. It's really clear that coming off of this game, the Zelda team is like, never again. We never want players to feel like all they got in hand is the sword and the shield. We want to give them as many fun items to play with as possible. And my Miyamoto quote um, is something that, Adam, I think that you'll appreciate. It's Miyamoto uh, going off on why he personally uh, thinks that Zelda 2 is the only Zelda game he considers a failure. Um, mm-hmm. This is from the official Zelda fandom wiki. Um, so this was an interview that was conducted uh, with uh, the man, the myth, the legend on Kotaku from some years ago. Here's what he had to say. I think specifically in the case of Zelda 2, we had a challenge just in terms of what the hardware was capable of doing. Uh, So one thing, of course, is from a hardware perspective, if we had been able to have this switch between the scenes speed up, if that had been faster, we could have done more with how we use the side-scrolling versus the overhead view and what kind of interchange we had between the two. But because of the limitations on how quickly those scenes changed, we weren't able to. The other thing is, it would have been nice to have bigger enemies in the game, but the Famicom hardware wasn't capable of doing that. Certainly with hardware nowadays, you can do that, and we have done that. But of course, nowadays, creating enemies, uh, t- bigger enemies, creates uh, takes a lot of effort. Um, yeah, I just thought that quote was interesting in that Shigeru Miyamoto, even he believes that Zelda 2 isn't all that, but... It seems like his reasons as to why he thinks Zelda 2 uh, wasn't all that are very different from the reasons that we didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I not, think not our reasons same. are because of his reasons. Like, because of the hardware limitations, there probably weren't more weapons and and gameplay styles. Sure. Because of hardware yeah. limitations, there probably wasn't as much variety in the dungeons and that kind of stuff, so... Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you played it, I'm sorry. 
Um, for next month, for October, that's this month, for October, we're playing a spooky vampire game. And I'm very sorry that I set us up for failure. You all voted for Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, but Square Enix took that down and you cannot play it legally anywhere. So instead, we're playing your second choice, which was Super Castlevania 4, which you can play on the SNES Classic or as part of the Anniversary Collection. Uh, so make sure you play that along with us, chat about it at the end of the month as well. Well, that one's also up in my attic, I believe. So oh, I'll just yeah, play yeah, it on yeah, the yeah, yeah. Man, you have, a, you have an extensive collection in your attic. Got a lot of ROMs up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, thank you for joining us again for this discussion. I would love to point people to where they can find you and when. For sure, you can find me on Twitter 24-7 at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. And you can find me over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash CozyBearLive, K-O-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. I just recently started up a Nuzlocke challenge of Pokemon Platinum. I'm trying to beat the entire game with the Nuzlocke rule set without using any items in battle. Come and find out just how much I get hurt. Nice. All right, let's get out of here and let Adam go to his birthday party. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, we don't do this at the end of the barf episodes.